Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone here. It's kind of toasty and warm in the room, so I've got the air conditioning on at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully it can cool it off a bit. My name is Keith. I'm the lead in teaching pastor here at Grassroots. And um, if, you're, if you're new this morning, a uh, very warm welcome to you. I uh, hope that you're finding everything that you need in this place. It's a lovely, lovely uh, community, a lovely group to discover and to learn more about. There's the info piano at the back in the, in the lobby is a place where a lot of information is. So uh, you're most welcome after the service to linger around, to uh, get to know folks. Uh, there's always a bit of socializing afterwards that happens and everyone's welcome to that. Also, uh, there's coffee in the back and uh, if, if you um, need some coffee, and you might, I'm warning you, today is a message where you might need some coffee. Uh, if, you've, if you've emptied your cup and uh, drained it out, you can always go back in at any time and fill it up. There's, um, there's uh, I won't be offended. Uh, today is, uh, this is like every week. Could someone come and make, fix this? Heather, thank you. For, you're, you're standing there. Go back and fix that and then come back. <laughs> Uh, So we've been in a series uh, for about seven weeks now on Jesus, who Jesus is, what he was about, uh, what his heart was like, why his followers said that he was the one, only one in their lives that have ever made sense of their lives, Um, and and just everything about this guy who we call Lord, we want to get to know, and it's going to be a whole year of this, so we're on Sermon 7 of 42 or something. So uh, we're also in the midst of our yearly family conversation on finances. So if you're new this week, this is an interesting week and good week for you to be here. Uh, we don't always do our family uh, meeting like this uh, over, the, over the course of, of the year. But three weeks out of the year, we kind of sit down, take stock of where we're at financially, and do some vision casting about where we're going, where grassroots is going forward in the future. And so you'll get a little behind the, the scenes of 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 grassroots today and get to know about how it's operating, which is always an interesting thing, I think, for for a newcomer to see. Um, And last time, we talked about kind of our shared collection. Why do we do shared collection in a community? Why do we offer our resources, our time, and our energy into a pot in the middle where... um, where we go about using that money for doing good work. And so we talked about our desire to help out lonely people, uh, isolated people. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Here we are. Helping out lonely people, isolated people, hurting people, abandoned people, coming to know God together and be like God more, creating a safe space for people who are struggling with faith. All of these things are, are true about grassroots, and we use our money together. We put it in the common pot to do these things. And, um, you know, we, we, I like this, this imagery of bringing bread to the table. You know, every week we pass around these baskets, right? And this is a symbolism. In a techno- I'll talk about this in a little bit, but in a technological age, uh, the baskets have sort of kind of lost their purpose with direct deposits and online giving and all of that. But the, the earliest church, when they got together, they didn't have a lot of money as a, as a movement, and so they brought food. They brought, it's like a big potluck every week where they came and they set it out. And this was the Lord's meal 
as they were sharing together in remembering that he, his body was broken. So in, in many ways, the passing of the baskets and bringing it forth at the beginning was, what have I brought out of my own resources and food stock to help feed the community this week? And so the, the baskets are a carryover of that ancient practice that we put in our, our finances, we put in our money together to do good stuff. And it is like bringing bread together. But uh, we also... Um, as we talk about this, as we uh, bring this to the forefront for these three weeks during the f- this family meeting, uh, we do it in a worship setting. It'd be easy to say, I'll, we'll just preach out of the scriptures uh, during the church service, and then everyone gets together for a finance meeting afterwards. And this is pulling apart worship and money in ways that it's never been meant to be pulled apart. How we worship has everything to do with how we use our money, and how we use our money has everything to do with our worshiping life as a community. So we bring this together in this time and in this space, talking about what it, what it is. But it, doing this together kind of sometimes makes us feel like this. Talking about money publicly makes us feel like we kind of want to hide in a box. I love this picture. Uh, and it's understandable. It's, you know, I don't go up to you on a daily basis and say, well, how much do you earn? And you don't come up to me and say, how much did you spend this month? It's just not a thing we talk, talk about. And so to do it in a public setting is a bit scary. And that's okay. If, you, if today especially, I mean, I'm going to say some things that are probably a, a little bit outside of the box when it comes to socially acceptable things to say in public about money. So if you feel like this, it's okay. But actually, once we do it, once we talk about money, once we talk about how we use money, um, it's quite kind of freeing. It's not like hiding in a box. It's like, oh, there's a freeing aspect to it. So that's why we do it today in worship. And, um, and no, I'll just say this. I said this last week, but I'll say this again. The, part of the reason in church is why we end up in a box like this, cowering away from talking about money, is because a usual narrative of talking about money goes like this in churches. Money is an idol. Give away your money so you don't worship it and give it to me. See how that goes? And you hear that narrative a lot. You hear it kind of over, even if it's subtle and even if it's nuanced, that's kind of, and we just kind of bristle at that, don't we? It's just like, Icky, an icky feeling, and it makes us want to hide. But uh, if, if we do it well, if we do it uh, with, with some freedom and get into the mind of Jesus, it's worth talking about because Jesus himself had a lot to say about money. I mean, you read the Gospels, he's always talking about taxes. I mean, taxes, temple tax, uh, serving money, putting money into, into a community. He's always talking about it because um, it's... For him, it's a centerpiece of Christian discipleship. So we talk about it. We get used to it. We get comfortable with talking about it. And we, we, all of us, all of us have leagues of, to, 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 to grow and move in terms of how we can do better with, with money. So this year, as we're focusing on Jesus, we're focusing during this time on Jesus' teaching of money as well. And there's three points that I've been making. Last week, I talked about our pooled resources of money and time and energy can make a big difference in this world. And if you missed that message last week, you can find it online. It's, it's podcasted on the website. This week, I'm going to talk about this idea. God doesn't want us to waste money, but to learn to use money, status, privilege, power, powerfully, to use it powerfully with pure hearts, 
This is, this is um, actually a really, a really difficult teaching of Jesus. We, we don't expect him to teach this. We expect him to say, be frugal. We expect him to say, money's powerful, stay away from it. Be warned, be, stay far away from it. Um, using money powerfully, you can only get burned. Those who play with fire get burned. You'd expect Jesus to say stuff like this, but he doesn't. He ends up talking about using it in a powerful way. So we're going to get into today Jesus' mind castle. Uh, it's, a, it's a mind castle, I believe, that Jesus has. And we're going to get into the heart of it today in his teaching, some of his teaching about money. And it's, it's challenging. Um, and by, in doing this, the tone of today will be also about how, how have we done so far as a church financially? Where did, in 2016 and up to now, how, how are we doing financially? And so next week, we'll talk about... The, uh, the third theme on a variation of the same theme here about Jesus wanting us to use our power and privilege no matter how or great or small to anticipate the new creation. That's next week. And the tone of that message will be, where are we going in the future financially as a church? So that's going to give you a roadmap of, of what's going on. A grassroots church, here's, here's a few things I want to say today. Uh, I'm going to start out the message today. We'll, we'll get into Jesus' uh, one of his most challenging parables uh, but in order to do so, I was praying through this, just kind of almost agonizing and wrestling through how, how do we get into this? How do we get into this space? And we kind of have to set the pieces up a little bit, like almost like a chessboard. We have to set the pieces up of what we're talking about. And so we begin this morning by setting up the pieces about grassroots, who we are, how we've been doing financially. And so basically the point I want to make is this. I think this community is worth growing. I think what's going on here, the, the energy, the momentum, the, the passion, the, the way that people understand Christianity in this place is worth growing. And I sense that God's hand is really upon this community, guiding us and, and moving us to grow. Um, and, on, and on a real factor, and, uh, you know, and I, when I think about this, this desire and this kind of sense that this community should grow, what does that mean? We'll talk about that. Should grow. Um, I have this sense that um, there's this one question in the middle of, of, of who we are as a church that we have to wrestle with. And it's this idea of being frugal. This is this community, and it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's, not, it's one of those things that frugality is neither here nor there. Um, and and, and it's, its best sense, uh, this community has been, has, has been faithful with little. I mean, this community hasn't always had a lot of money and hasn't always had a lot of, what we have is people and people who give of their time uh, with great proportion, greater proportion than I've seen in a church. But we always haven't had a lot of money here at Grassroots. Um, and to look what we've done with our frugality, our, our little, it's amazing. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but the challenge is, um, oh, and I'll say this too. I'm going to do some statistics for you today. I've, I've, I've been on the, the website of Canadian Charities just typing in. It's all public information, how much we spent last year, how many staff we have, all the churches in town. So there's, I found 61 of them so far on the website. I know how much they all spent last year now. Um, and then I've been calling to the, church, to the church administrators and saying, how many people are coming on Sunday mornings? And some of them, are, some of them have said, 
oh, well, it's, it's this many. And some of them said, who is this? What do you want that information for? <laughs> and other, other of them have said, um, oh, you're looking for a church? This is a great church to come to. Um, and I say, well, how many people are coming? Oh, uh, sometimes a lot and sometimes not so a lot. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Like, like 100, above 100? Oh, I don't know. It's like, uh, they didn't want to share at that point. They didn't want to share once I put a number. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this today. I'm going to take us through this exercise, not because big church or small church is good or bad, not because we want to be like someone else. We want to be grassroots. We want to be who God is calling us to be. But it's interesting sometimes to see where things are going in the town. And, and actually, grassroots for for the finances that we have and used, is actually one of the larger congregations in town on Sunday mornings. Like, see this group of people, look around, all the kids that were here? Like, I think I've found two other churches in town that are, are a larger crowd on a Sunday morning. And again, that's not a good or bad thing. We don't, don't need to aspire to be little or aspire to be small. It's just an interesting fact. That, and I believe that that's a reflection, if I'd interpret that, that's a reflection of grassroots being faithful with little. But I believe God wants to give grassroots a little more. Uh, so um, that's basically where we're going with all of this this morning and setting up the pieces. Now, there's a phrase of Jesus that um, applies directly to us, and it is, it is this phrase, um, be faithful with little. But I sense that the community has to work a little bit further to get inside the mind of Jesus when it comes to the point of frugality and being frugal. Uh, and here's it, I'm just gonna state it. I think if you get into the mind of Jesus about money, he wants us to use as much money as we can wisely to anticipate his new creation. He, he wants us to use as much money as wisely as we can to make the world a better place. And as we set up the, the piece of the puzzle here, this is the website you can go to and find out all charities and all of that, how they spend their money. And this is the categories. It's such an interesting category here. You can be part of a categorized as someone who benefits the community and other. You can be an educational nonprofit in town and do good in the community. You can be a health organization. You can be a religious organization. That's where we're categorized as religion. Um, in welfare, but one of the challenging things, and again, this is just intro here, getting us set up to get into the mind of Jesus. One of the challenging things is religion has been seen as something private. What you do in religion in that category is you get a group of people together, you maybe pray with them or help them pray and maybe make them feel not so guilty about the bad things they've done. And if that's what we're doing here, that doesn't take a lot of money, does it? <laughs> we, could, we, could, we could do that without any money. Um, but here's the thing. We have, and we've been talking about this, Jesus comes to us not as a guru, not as a wise teacher of a few wisdom sayings, but as a king, someone who wants us to be allied in, in, in allegiance to him in our whole lives, in all of our spheres. And once our whole life is given up to him, all of our dimensions he wants us to go out into the world and to anticipate the new creation. He wants, as the world would say, he wants us to make it a better place. And so we have this idea uh, of Christian being a private thing where you don't do much. But Jesus gives us this whole other vision of being active and involved in the community. And, um, 
And sometimes this takes strategizing and planning and resources and human resources. Um, so we're not just a religious not-for-profit. You know, if I look up here, we are a benefit to the community as a church and others. We are an educational institution. We are, at our core, a community of healing. Jesus was a great healer. We are involved with the health of the community. We are a religious organization for, uh, yes, also looking after people's spiritual welfare. And uh, we, we are all of these things. We can't be categorized as Jesus-following Christians. We are all of those things. And so part of that's a real challenge for us as we begin talking about how we use money and what do we use it for. Now here it is, just to lay it all out. Grassroots in 2016 spent, and I'm not talking about how much we took in or all of that. Today is all about how much communities spend to do good work in the community. We spent $161,000. 60K for one full-time pastor and two part-timers. 77K on buildings, operation, food, and ministry money. 24K in partnership with Right to Refuge to help sponsor a refugee family. That's where, in 2016, this community's money went. And on Sunday morning, we have an average of 177 people, including kids, and more like a base of people that we care for and, and uh, encourage and send out into their own care networks of 230 people, including 80 kids, which is just unbelievable to me. I love that about grassroots. So on the scale, I'm, I'm going to get into some numbers here. Again, just setting the board here. We've got to do this, this work. Grassroots, in terms of spending money, is we're in the 28 out of 61. There's a, um, I don't remember what the 177 was. Oh, the average, the av we're averaging 177 people. So of the 27 churches above us, that spend more money, there's 27 of them, and they spend between 168,000 a year, and there's a church that spends $1.3 million on ministry in town. Of the 33 that spend less of us, there are, there's one church that spends $7,000, and then up to 168. So the average attendance of these churches, I've, I did a cross-sectional analysis, and the average attendance of the churches that spend more than us is 142. Okay, see, see where I'm getting this sort of information? There's a church X out there of 130 people who spends $500,000 on ministry. Just, again, not shaming us, not praising them, just giving us the, the basic info. Uh, and staff, we uh, were, again, there's of the churches that spend more, to, uh, more than us, they average at 3.5 staff. There's a church in town that has... 170 people of average, they have one staff and one full-time and eight part-time staff. So basically, my point is, for the church of this size in this region, there's room for us to grow and how much money I think we can spend on anticipating God's new creation and how many staff we employ. There's, there's room to grow for us. And as Jesus asks us to consider this all, and today we'll find out he asks us not only to spend money to anticipate the new creation, he asks us to think about the way that the world does it, the way that the people of this age do it. And so I've got some bar graphs on how other organizations in town today do it. I can't wait to get to that. It's so juicy. <laughs> so here's a bar graph just to sum it all up for us. Here's grassroots and how much we spend to do good work in town. And here's how much this church says it's in red. 
<laughs> Again, we don't want to be like anyone in town. We're just putting the numbers out there. We're the green one, and then there's the top one here is in red. Yeah. Okay, so um, in terms of investing money and making this world a better place, we're in the middle of the road, uh, and we're actually, for being, for the amount of money that we spend, we rival many of these in terms of how many people are coming. Just, just observations. So, okay, ready, let's get to Jesus now, okay? <laughs> let's get into Jesus. Just we've set the board up. Um, Jesus, let's get to him. So we've been in this series for seven weeks. We've, Jesus is proclaiming himself to the world as a king. Our followers are claiming that not only was he grace and truth incarnate, but the best way to describe what it was like to be around him was like being with the spouse that you've always dreamed of having. He, we are, he is the bridegroom, we are his bride. Um, we've dipped in to his teaching on how to use money for ministry. He's, we've seen that he chooses a life of poverty uh, with, with the women of his community supporting him, probably to make some point. We've seen that he has little regard for paper coins. He doesn't really carry them around with him. Uh, but he's also in the midst, while he's doing so, of asking his followers to join him in the great work that he has for, uh, to do for the world. He says things like, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, which is to say the way that you spend money has everything to do with eternity. And so what we do is we pool our resources and money of time and energy together to make a big difference. And the best way to talk about this everlasting, future-oriented difference is to say what we do now is to anticipate the new creation. That is to say, how is it going to be when God's laws are running the world? How is it going to be when there's justice rolling down the mountains? Um, how, is it, how is it going to be when, when there's equity and there's no poverty and no crying or pain? How's it going to be, and how can we anticipate that? That's our job, to anticipate that now, to give little foretastes of what that's going to be like as we preach the gospel. Um, so now that we get, we've done that, we get to the second point, that God doesn't want us to waste, but to learn to use money, status, privileged power, powerfully, with pure hearts. If, if frugality were a virtue for Jesus, he wouldn't have let the woman anoint him and pour expensive perfume and waste it. If frugality was a virtue for Jesus, um, he wouldn't have poured his whole life out to save the world. Okay, so, but yet there are times where we need to be wise. Jesus, Jesus takes on a life of poverty. Jesus asks us to be wise. Um, but I'm not sure that the word frugality actually gets at what he's talking about. And so um, it's not frugality, but shrewdness. Shrewdness, which is this idea of uh, not wasting money, but using it well. So we turn to Luke 16. Let's just read this. This is, by the way, known as the most difficult parable that Jesus ever told. So why not tackle it today? Well, as we do so, we, have to, we crack the nut, we get into Jesus' mind castle, and we see, oh, there's some, some things that we don't expect about money here. So Jesus said, this is two, two slides long, I'll just read this. Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. 
So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an account of your management because you're fired. You cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. And the word that we use for what he's about to do is called fraud. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master, this is like where we start getting into the twilight zone. And his master commended, commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. And Jesus says, for the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. And I tell you after this, Jesus says, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that it is, when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Okay, what? Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. Okay, and whoever is dishonest in very, with very little is dishonest also much. Okay, if then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? Wait, what? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here's the punchline. You cannot serve God in wealth. Okay, so here's a picture of the parable as it progresses so you can see it. Here's the thing. We have a wealthy man. And it's hard not to dislike the wealthy man, okay? Let's just start with letting, if you read Luke's gospel all the way up, wealthy people aren't the heroes of the gospel of Luke. It's, it's not, sometimes we think, okay, is this parable about God? Is God the wealthy man? Well, it's, it's clear once you read it, once you read it in context, this parable is not meant to set God up as the wealthy man who commends his, his servants for, for making fraudulent actions. So we have a wealthy man. Uh, it's hard to be disposed well to this wealthy man. And we have a servant, a slave. This is a slave or a freed person who's in charge of all of the resources of this master. We think of Daniel, right? In the, in the book, if Daniel or Joseph, who rise to the ranks of, of Egypt and Babylon, and they become the head financial stewards of Pharaoh and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. So what happens is, is this steward is wasteful. They mismanage the funds recklessly, and so the, he's going to get fired. Now, the firing in this age is not just going to find a new job. This person had been living with this rich man. He loses his status, his reputation, and he's about to lose his home. And so he's got to think quick on his feet. I've been caught being wasteful. I'm getting fired. What do I do? And so... Um, he cuts his master's profits. Basically, the point is this, just to, to tell it to you directly. He loses his master what would be equivalent in $175,000 in one day. Like, just gives it away. Not with the permission. It wasn't his to, to mismanage, but he gives away $175,000 in one day. He's taking advantage of his job while it lasts. Um, 
And then the weirdest part of all, he comes back to his master, and his master's like, that was pretty cool. Wow, that was, I'm, you were shrewd. You're still fired. But that was, wow, look at that. So the master commends him for his prudence, and the, the parable just abruptly stops there, screeching a halt, and Jesus begins to say weird things. He says, children of this age know how to work the system for their benefit, but the children of light, you people of God, don't. And Jesus laments this, and then he says this really weird thing. Make friends with unrighteous money so that when it all runs out, you may have eternal homes. Eternal homes. Okay. You guys know what a quagmire is? Quagmire, this thing that doesn't make sense, it doesn't add up. There are at least eight quagmires in this parable. And there's five puzzle pieces of wisdom that you have to put together correctly to understand it. I'm just going to play this out for us here. Eight quagmires and five pieces of puzzle. The first is this. The unjust steward is praised for his shrewdness, losing big money for his master to save his own skin. What in the world do we make of that? That's, I'm going to try to put this together for us today. What do we make of the fact that he's praised for his shrewdness? Second, Jesus seems to be annoyed that the people of this age know how to strategize better than the children of the light. It's us, children of the light. What do we make of this? So I'm just going to push a pause button here and do some juicy bar graphs. Okay, we're back here. Grassroots, churches in town. The community clothing assistance, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that these people aren't doing good work. I'm, these, these organizations are doing good work in town. Uh, and there's probably lots of Christians in, involved with them. So I'm not, I'm not saying we church bad community clothing assistance. No, not at all. This is, these people are doing great work. But I'm just going to sort of talk about how this age does it. And I'm just going to sort of tower them up around grassroots here. Community clothing assistance spends $325,000 a year and 24 staff. Thunder Bay Field Naturalist Club, $400,000 with zero staff. If you're part of the Naturalist Club, I'm very curious. Where does all that money go? <laughs> Let me know. Tell me. It's, I'm sure it's great work. Um, Three C's Reintroduction Center, 400. This is uh, addiction reintroduction into, into, back into society. $438,000 with three part-time staff. Again, it's, I'd love to know more about that. Roots to Harvest, 468000 with 40 staff. This is just information. Thunder Bay Humane Society, 724572 with 19 staff. Four full-time, 15 part-time. Magnus Theater, $1.3 million they spend every year on their vision, making the community a better place with 24 staff, eight full-time and 16 part. This is just, just fun. Canadian Mental Health Association spends $5.6 million on making this community a better place with 89 staff. And as we continue, grassroots is just about to get off the map here. Children's Center of Thunder Bay, $12.4 million with 209 staff. Wow. Um, just, just again, looking at how this age spends money on making the community a better place. Northern Ontario School of Medicine, $47 million with 241 staff. And we've kind of disappeared down here now. Lakehead University, 
$160 million a year to make the community a better place. That's, they spend a thousand times more money than we do to make the world a better place. And they have 2,000, I was just floored by this, I love this, 2,964 staff. That's 2,961 more than grassroots. <laughs> you can see the little red blip down here and we've disappeared. And this last one just sort of just floors me. Again, this is, I'm not making any value statements here. This is just interesting stuff. Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Center, $333 million, twice as much as Lakehead. When we thought they were towering up there as a giant tree with about the same number of staff as Lakehead. So Jesus is frustrated that the children of this world know how to do good in this world in ways that the children of the light just don't know how. Um, so there's at least, I mean, there's, there's lots more. I didn't get a chance to canvas all of this website, but there's at least 16 organizations in town making the world a better place that are talking in, in their budgets in the terms of millions. So Jesus seems to be annoyed about this. And that's a quagmire to us, right? Why would Jesus be annoyed by that? Well, we have to answer that question. Third, Jesus says, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. Jesus seems to be advising us to use power plays in order to win people over to us. What? That's not the Jesus I know. Is it the Jesus you know? But that seems to be what he's saying here. Fourth, Jesus wants us to use money, not hoarding it or selfishly having it, but to make friends. Now, talk to me more about the other eight quagmires. I'm going to skip over them because... I'm going to sort this out here just in the time that we have. But here are the puzzle pieces that, six, well, six puzzle pieces, I guess. Money will run out, Jesus says. At some point, money will run out. Okay, what do we do with that? When money runs out, what does it look like? What will we have to show for it when money runs out, he says. Those who are faithful with little will be given a lot. Okay? You cannot serve both God and money. Okay. There is a difference between people of the old age and the people of the new. Okay, God doesn't want us to waste, but to learn to use powerfully. So here it is. If we, if we wanted to step back and just get the first impression of the parable, this is what the parable seems to be saying. Be a fraudulent slime bag opportunist. Use your money for eternal purposes, but even if you don't even think seldom about eternal things. God uses crafty people to do his bidding. But it's okay if you're ignorant and aloof that God is your primary caregiver. I mean, think of this, the, the steward. They didn't get down on their knees and say, God, save me. They went out and started using their brain. That person was aloof to the fact that God was going to take care of them. They were out making friends dishonestly so they can have another roof over their head. This person was ignorant, aloof that God was their primary caregiver. Basically, what God is running up there is a heaven's got talent. <laughs> Who's the talented people that I want to use? I'll give them more and regardless of their character. That's kind of what we get when we read this very difficult parable. Now, here's a filter. Let's put this through a filter. This is not what Jesus is saying. This is not telling us anything like this. Let's filter this. this faith, he wants us to be faithful stewards. Here's the filter. These people, we cannot be servants of money. It's a big difference. Think of someone who serves money. That's their goal. We cannot be servants of money. 
These people know that their money is finite. They'll run out. We're not going to have it forever. Can't just keep getting more. These people also have to be people of the light. Purity. Purity of character. Purity of intention. So it's something more like this. Jesus wants us to know how this world works. Wants us to understand how this things, things are. Wants us to be familiar with the ways of this world. He wants us to recognize that our large, longer-term interests lay in something else than our current occupation at home. If we want to be interested in the long-term about our well-being, it's nothing about our current occupation at home. He wants us to know that God is protecting our long-term interests. God is with us, protecting us. He wants us to be people, though, of charity and foresight. People who give away their money with some strategy foresight. And he wants our character to be pure, inspired by love and self-sacrifice. What else does it mean to be a child of the light, a pure character inspired by love and self-sacrifice? Let's just, I just put the same thing in paragraph form there. So here it is. I tell you, make friends. Now, let's think of this parable through what I just said. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. Then, if then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? What are true riches? That's what we're after here. Not just money, but true riches. And this is something like life change, healing, making this world the new creation, anticipating as much as we can. That's true riches. Relational, relational healing, physical healing, um, spiritual and emotional health, true riches. If you have not been faithful, it belongs to another. Who will give you what is your own? Again, no slave can serve two masters. This is what's going on here. Jesus doesn't want us to waste, but to learn to use money, status, privilege, power, powerfully, but with pure hearts. He says, take a lesson from how the world does it and do better. Now here's the thing. Grassroots, I'm sort of veering to the end here. Grassroots has been faithful with little. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's unbelievable to watch. Um, this, this community has touched new refugees and Syrians in ways that the community should be taking notice of. I mean, we've made significant contributions not only to stabilizing new refugees in town, but we've made a very important contribution to crossing difficult boundaries and barriers to create community rather than pockets of misunderstood groups. Last year, because of your, your faithfulness to this work, the, the mosque invited me to... I was the only Christian. I was, it shouldn't have been me. I was the only Christian that stood up after the shootings in Quebec at the mosque to a crowd of 400 people and offered a Christian response of solidarity. Um, and then just recently, hosting the Kurdish population for a Thanksgiving meal. I mean, this community is doing very important work in this city in terms of new refugees in Syria. We have 80-plus young people that we're sheltering here, helping them grow up in the faith, giving them community, resourcing parents to help, help uh, you at home. This is, this is important work. Um, care networks, 
This community has a care network for at least 230 people in town. But listen, I know this particular community. Each individual person here has their own care networks. I mean, and if I could just, if, I wonder if we could see, I wish we could just see how far and wide this one little church community has their care networks webbed and spread out through this place and abroad. And this is not just through food and not just through um, you know, meal trains and, um, and listening, but prayer and spiritual care and being with people who identify as lost and lonely and hurting and isolated. This community has done all that work and it's beautiful to, to see. Uh, and then taking a step towards our First Nations uh, friends uh, as, as a sort of a European um, majority community uh, with a sense of uh, it's no longer acceptable to let racisms, it's no longer acceptable to let um, prejudices um, and hostilities to rule the day in our town, in our place. Um, just, just yesterday here in, in, in the community, there was a circle doing a blanket exercise, which is an exercise to help uh, the community almost relive the history of the European uh, colonizers come and come take over this land. Uh, and and the, the little land that's left, um, that the First Nations people who are still here, who have been resilient to, to, to endure through all of the uh, attempts to assimilate them and to, or to, to wipe them out are still here on this small pocket of, of blanket. It's a, it's a powerful exercise. If you ever have the chance to do it, do it. And the conversation afterwards, I was just awestruck with the community's openness and willingness and desire to wrestle through hostilities as a way forward and out, out of the racisms, out of the hostility. Um, and then the group of... Uh, the team went out and, and did some work uh, on, on, uh, Eagles, at Eagles Cove, which is a property that helps um, families, First Nations families, to come and find wholeness together. It's a great, great thing that they're doing out there. It's, this is just a small step, but this community is contributing and will continue to contribute um, to undoing the hostilities here. We've been faithful with very little, and, and, and the charts um, have shown it. Now, uh, we, we also... We also have to ask the question, how, can, how, how are we going to be faithful with much? If God says those who have been faithful with little will be given more, how are we going to be faithful with it? And what do we want to do going forward? It's home groups. We have this home groups thing that we're just setting up so that everyone who comes into this place and is part of this place can meet in someone's home on a regular basis with a small group of people that know them and know their name, know their children's names, know what is going on in their life. This is not only a place that uh, shelters vulnerable people, who gives small community to the people who are lonely and isolated and hurt, but this also is a way to restore faith, people talking about their faith struggles, things that they're not sure about, questions about faith, a relationship with God, but it's also about um, shaping disciples, shaping people who are um, following Jesus. So we wanna do home groups, we want to do um, Sunday mornings well. This is a place that should, every week, in and out, you should find some sort of healing here, some sort of connection with the creator of the universe who's here in a community of worship as we worship him together. Um, I'd love just to see more and more people. I mean, 
wouldn't it be interesting one week to not meet and then all just go out and look around how many people are in Walmart or walking the streets or just around it, Sunday mornings. I, I bet we'd be floored to see who's out there that needs this experience. So Sunday mornings, you want to be faithful with much. We want to be a leader in local service. We want to, um, you know, this idea of school of ministry. Wants, there's a void here in the pastoral training and ministry training, not just for professional Christians, but for you in your workplaces, in your life. How do you be a contributor to God's new creation in your setting? Um, and then the pastoral care piece. I just love to see us grow and be faithful in much. And there's so much good work. This community's vision is so big. Um, and um, I, just, I, think that, I think that God wants us to grow. And I'm not just talking about becoming a red, a red bar. I'm talking about growing deep and wide uh, and as, as much as he would um, have a, for us. And finally, living parables. We want to be a community not just doing good work, but we want to be people that have the power to combat loneliness. We want to use people power to combat loneliness. We want to use love to combat hostility. We want to use our worship settings and our community experiences to restore faith and people power to create beauty, justice, and to tell the great story. Lots of good work to be done here. And that's, it. that's how we say it, restoring faith, shaping bright disciples, sheltering vulnerable people. We want to make the selfless love of Jesus known broadly. This is a big vision, and Jesus asks us to be shrewd with it, to spend as much money as we can wisely on doing this good work. And um, we're going to talk about next time, but next time what this is going to look like in the future. But just a, a final thing to say here, or a couple final things. In 2017, the community pledged to, to operate on a $200,000 uh, budget. That was twice as much as was pledged before and 40000 more than, than we took in last year. So um, as of September, uh, in the month of September, we took in $20,000 as a community. That's like our best month that I have on record, um, which is amazing. Uh, from January to September, that means we've We've made it to 127,000 of the 200. That means in October, November, and December, we need about 25 to hit our... This is a great goal for the church. This is a really holy and awesome goal for this church to, by September, try to reach out and to hit this 200,000. Now, here's the thing. Like, we don't have a lot of savings, but we have some to pull from. Uh, and we own this building here. Grassroots own this building, so we don't pay mortgage, which is awesome. It's a great thing. Um, but we want to operate every year uh, without dipping into these funds, these, these savings at this point. We want to have a stability here so that we can be wise with what we give and spend. And so we can do this thing in the long term. This place is worth investing in to make it a long term type of thing. So um, we, may, we may or may not reach $200,000 this year. Um, a couple kind of families that have, had, been, had been giving have left and moved elsewhere to other parts of the country. Uh, and there's lots of new faces who didn't, weren't in on the pledging last year. So I'm speaking to all of us to say, we can do this. This is a great challenge. If we don't, if we don't do this, it's not gonna, we're not going to fall apart at the seams. <laughs> we're okay, I mean, in that, in that way. But we can do this. We can hit the $200,000 
mark this year, which would be a great, amazing testimony to all the good work that's happening here. And so I would invite you, if um, in the, you'll be receiving in the, in the mail a letter in the coming uh, week about you know, your pledge, what you've given so far, and um, all of that. Um, how far we have to go. Um, and, and pledging for next year. We can do this. If you, if you weren't part of the pledging process, see how much you can give in these last three months to make it to this. If you have and you're, you sort of still have some to, to put in, that's awesome. We can do this. I think we can. Um, all that to say, you know, we are... Um, there will be a time, and I'll talk about this in more detail next week. There will be a time in the coming few years where we're going to try to make a big leap forward as a community financially. It's not quite time yet. We're still sort of establishing home groups, establishing our local service ideas, establishing, kind of getting more established as a community. It's not time yet to make a huge growth forward. And there's, there will be wisdom involved with that. And we'll talk about that as a community. It's not quite time for that yet, but a time will come when I think that we need to take a big leap forward as in how much we're putting out there to spend on what God has for us to do in community. So, uh, again, and then just, this is just the last thing here, ways to give. Just wanted to mention this because you'll see the baskets going around and, you know, some coins and maybe a few bills in there and you wonder, how's this community staying afloat <laughs> with just some coins? So, again, this is a technological thing. There's lots of ways to give. A lot of people give with prepaid, uh, you know, pre-authorized payments, comes out of their bank, like a direct deposit, uh, week in and week out. Um, you can pay by PayPal on the website. There's an offering box in the back. Some people like, instead of in the baskets, to put it in the offering box. You'll see it by the sound booth there. And then the baskets, which will continue going around because of the great symbolism that roots us to the ancient tradition. Um, but we're doing good, and we can be doing great. And so I'll invite us to, um, to make, that, make that challenge to us as we um, work for, for um, anticipating God's new creation here. So, did you get your coffee? Did you run out of your coffee? It's all interesting stuff. Um, I'm, I'm so delighted to be part of this community who knows how to be faithful with little. And I'm so excited for what God has for us in the future. All the great work that we've been doing in this city, stuff that's making intangible differences all around us. And let's do that more and more and more. I, I just can't wait for us to go there. Um, and in the meantime, we do remember week after week, we come to this table and remember the one who poured it all out, who took his true riches and gave it all away so that this whole thing might even be possible, so that new creation might even come, so that death may no longer rule in this world. So friends, um, I'm not sure what God has spoken to you today, what kind of insights he's given you or how he's stirring your heart. Uh, it may have something to do with your your personal life, it may have something to do with your family, it may have something to do with um, the way God is pulling and stirring you in these days. He's here speaking to you, I'm not sure what he's said to you today, but whatever it is, I would invite you to take that as a prayer and to bring it forward. Um, we dip the, the bread and the juice remembering that he poured out his whole life for us so that we might have true life and we take it in remembering that as we do so, he becomes almost at a DNA level part of who we are and how we live our life. We're his followers, he's our king, and he's given us this very confusing teaching on money. So I would invite us, you to come forward today. The table is set and everyone here is welcome.